0: May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. But of course, that's what we say, but of course, your friend stops by for an unannounced kind of surprise visit, and you go to the door and you're thrilled to see her there, and and you greet her, and you say hello, and whatever, and you you talk for a minute, and, and she says... May I come in? <laughs> and you say, Oh, but of course, you know, I, I, of course you may come in. Of course you're welcome. Silly me, I'm just oh uh, excited to see you, and I didn't think about it. And, and you get carried away. You just forgot the, the, the greeting protocol because you were caught off guard by this, um, this surprise visit. But of course you're welcome. Or you're telling a story, a well rehearsed family anecdote. And, um, and, and it goes something like, uh, you know, you're telling it and you forget a really important part or you leave it out and, and your spouse or a sibling or a parent reminds you, you know, you're telling the story, remember that time at the lake when we were on vacation and, and Jimmy went for a night swim and, and, a, and a snapper turtle bit his toe and he came running out of the, out of the lake and, and all the campers turned on their flashlights and came out and, and your dad or somebody says... And he was skinny dipping, you forgot to say. Anything. And everybody laughs, and you're like, oh, of course, how could I forget that part? Of course, how could I forget that? That's what we say. Of course, naturally, obviously, yes, this is right. When there's some truth that's staring you so sort of matter factly in the face, and, and you can only say, of course, that's what it is. As if any other contrarian opinion would just be the height of absurdity. Of course. May I come in? Of course. You think I can leave you standing out here in the cold? Of course you can come in. Other times we come up with a, I don't think so. (laughs) This sort of skeptical, no, not no, no, I'm not so sure about that. Um, Maybe you have had a boss in times past who somehow forgot the the employer-employee relationship. Um, has limits and boundaries. Uh, I was reading through some um, uh, horror stories of HR managers this week, and, um, and, and I saw some that I really thought were hilarious. They were hilarious because they didn't happen to me. You know. If they had happened to me, probably not so funny. Um, this one, a boss was told, uh, told a subordinate to fire a man. She's to go and fire him, and then the boss says, "And could you drive him home afterward?" <laughs> no, I don't think so. This is not going to happen, right? This is absurd. Um, there was one where this uh, woman and her husband were trying to adopt a baby, and the woman was the boss, and so she took her, asked her um, her assistant if she would fill out her adoption papers for her. No, I don't think so. It's your baby. You know, this is your personal life. How in the world am I supposed to do this? One of my favorites was um, this, uh, this uh, supervisor threw away a document. And so he told his assistant, would you go down in the dumpster and dig out the bag that the document is in it? And, and it's in August. And the bag is in the dumpster. And she was in the skirt and heels. I don't think so. You know, there's some limits to this, uh, this job skill set. Um, sometimes, of course. Naturally. Obviously. Other times, the absurdity is, I don't think so. But maybe there's also a sweet spot somewhere in between where the absurd meets the obvious. And you say something like, That can't be right, can it? (laughs) That just can't be right, can it? Maybe, but no, I'm not sure. In Luke's Gospel, we have one of four versions of the story of what happened on the first Easter morning. Luke is a consummate historian. He tells us that three women went to the tomb of Jesus and he gives us their names Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and a woman named Joanna. He gives us these names because I think he wants us to check his sources. I, I, presumably these women are alive when Luke writes this gospel. You remember in college or in high school when you were given a, a research paper and you had, to, you had to footnote your sources, right? So that your teacher could go back and check and see if indeed you quoted that, uh, that learned expert properly. They never actually do check the footnotes, but they could have checked the footnotes if they wanted to. They have a paper trail to go back and look at it. I think Luke is saying, go find Mary Magdalene. Go find Mary, the mother of James. Go find this woman, Joanna. And ask them what happened. Ask them what they saw that morning. What exactly did happen that first Easter morning? They went to the cemetery. They went to the place, to the tomb where Jesus had been laid. They knew where it was because they were there on Friday night. They saw Him die. They went with the people who carried the body from the cross to the tomb. They saw Him laid in the tomb. They knew exactly where to go. They returned, not 48 hours later, to the exact same spot, carrying along their spices doing what it was that they were sent out to do, prepare a body for for its final uh, resting. But when they arrive at the cemetery, they find something strangely amiss. The tomb is there, but where they had, had witnessed the, the, the stone being rolled in front of it, it is now open, the tomb is open, the stone is rolled away from the entrance of the tomb. These stones were huge, two to 3,000 pounds. They were around and they were set in a channel that would roll downhill, like so gravity would keep it closed. It would take several men, strong men, to open up this, this tomb. They got there and it was not at all what they expected. The tomb is open. And so they did what you would do they kind of got down and peeked around and looked in. And seeing nothing, they, they actually walk into the tomb. And you know the story, right? The tomb is empty. No body. This is a new tomb. Not even any bone boxes. They had these things called ossuaries, bone boxes, that would be shelved from, from, uh, from ancient burials. This is a new tomb. There's nothing in there. Just some bandages lying on the place where the body had been. And they're all alone. Every parent has, um, has a similar tell, a, a, a story to tell about young children. If you've ever been a parent of a young child, you get this experience. And it goes like this. You're sound asleep in your bed about 2 or 3 in the morning. You're completely asleep. And your preschooler gets out of bed, and they walk into your room, and they stand right next to your bed. But for some reason that they only themselves know, they say nothing. And your parent radar goes off after a few minutes, and you're lying there, and you open your eyes, and about 4 inches from your face is this tiny little face. And it's terrifying, isn't it? And you say, you know, like you gasp. And they say, I can't sleep. Can I sleep with you? Of course, you're just giving me a heart attack. Get in, right? (laughs) The women go into the tomb. There's nobody there. And suddenly there is. There are two men. Two men in dazzling white. Here's what Luke says. That while they were perplexed about this, about the fact that there's no body. You know, did somebody come and get it? Did grave robbers steal it? They're standing there trying to figure out what's going on. Suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood by them. Two men. Where did they come from? And their dazzling clothes. The word um, that Luke uses in his ancient Greek is the word for star. It's like twinkling or sparkling like a star. Their clothes. You see, it wasn't their faces or their hair or their stature or anything like that. It was their clothes were were radiating this sort of otherworldliness. And the women do what we would do. They fall on the ground terrified. Now remember, Luke is telling us his history. He's very careful. He's documented sources all throughout this document. And, and, And he's writing this. And I kind of tried to imagine him interviewing these women. Right? Could you imagine this conversation? So you went to the tomb and it was empty. Yes. We went to the tomb and it was empty. Nothing there but, you know, the, the, the bandages lying on the floor. And and then two men walked in. Well, no, they didn't actually walk in. What do you mean they didn't walk in? Well well, we were in there and they were in there, and then suddenly they were. They were in there. And I think maybe one of them said have you ever had a preschooler walk in and you know, something like that? They, they weren't there, and then they were. They just appear. And did they say anything to you? Yes. In fact, they did. They asked us why we were seeking the living among the dead. And then they said, "Don't you remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that he must suffer and die?" And we did. We remembered that. And, and so what did you do next? Well, we ran out. We got, up, we got up out of the tomb and we ran out. And we ran to tell the others. We told Peter and James and John. And, and, and we told Philip and Simon and all the rest. And, and what did they think? They didn't believe us. They thought we were full of nonsense. None of them believed us. Maybe Peter, he got up and he ran out. He, he, he ran to the tomb to see for himself. Luke writes this, the women told this to the apostles, but these seemed to them an idle tale. Silliness, nonsense. They did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb. No one believed the women, except maybe Peter. And even he wasn't all in, was he? He was more of, this can't be right, can it? This can't be right, can it? And he ran to see. Why didn't they believe the women? Because in the first century, women were not reliable witnesses, at least in the eyes of men. They didn't view women as credible witnesses. They were um, viewed as susceptible, 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 easy for me to say, to hysteria. The Talmud says that one might, in a trial, might as well believe a thief as to believe a woman. The British scholar scholar John Polkinghorne writes this, though, it would have been very unlikely for anyone in the ancient world who is concocting a story to assign a principal part to a woman, to women, rather, since in those times they were not considered capable of being reliable witnesses in a court of law. Polkinghorne says if Luke was making up this story, he would not have put women in there as primary witnesses. It's ironic. The fact that they are in there establishes the historic credibility of the story. It's unthinkable. The only reason he tells it this way is because this is the way it happened. If he was making it up, it would have been a wealthy, older man that everybody would have believed. Here's the story. Jesus died. He died, Luke says. he, he wasn't a near-death experience. He died. He died on Friday. He was dead all day on Saturday. He was dead on Sunday. And then he wasn't. He was alive again. This is what he tells. This isn't the story of, you know, the young boy who's out on the pond that's somewhat frozen and he falls through the ice. And he um, is rescued and he gets to the hospital. He's been without a pulse for 30 minutes or 60 minutes and, and they revive him. They jump start life. That's a resuscitation story. That's, a, that's not a, uh, a death denied, that's death uh, diverted, you know, it's death delayed. That's not the Jesus story. The Jesus story is dead, 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 all the way dead. And then back alive, out the other side, alive forevermore. This is the Jesus story, the resurrection story. This is our story here today. And when we're faced with it, we're faced with one of three sort of responses. Some might say, golly, it, it sounds kind of absurd, you know? It, it sounds, it's got the ring of truth, there's something about it. I mean, people are in church all over the world today because of this story, and it has got to be something. But that can't be right, can it? Suspicion. There are others who, um, you know, see it as completely lacking credibility. But here's the problem with that. Historic reliability is attested to in many ways. I've just given you Luke's little little um, story. Let me give you just a few more, if I could. Multiple source attestation. This is a historic criterion for establishing reliable history. Multiple sources have said the same thing. But then they say it with what's called the criterion of similarity and dissimilarity. They agree about the big event. There's a resurrection. But they disagree about little events. And that's the way it happens. If they all agreed it, it would have been a sign of collusion. There's a difference in the way they tell the story. And there should be. There should be similarity and dissimilarity. There is eyewitness accounts. Names of persons who could have been verified. More than that. They're the women. The unlikely witnesses are the women. And they validate the historic reliability of this story. But there's just one bit more. There's a lot more, but there's just this one bit. It's what this story does in the life of human persons. It's what believing in this story can do to a human being. It can change rascally, lawless, selfish, uh, you know, ungodly people into kind and generous and magnanimous and uh, conscientious souls. It can turn sinners into saints. So maybe you came here this morning, I don't know, for many different reasons. Maybe mom or dad or grandma or grandpa made you and you felt like, you know, you should do it at least once a year. But you're like, yeah, I don't think so. Meh. Historically reliable. Maybe a little skeptical. This can't be, can it? Really? I want you to grapple with something right now. The most important historical event in human history. That a man was dead. And alive again and is alive forevermore. I think if you grapple with that, you come away saying, of course. Of course this is what it happened. Of course. It doesn't make sense, but it's true. And because of that, I'll never be the same. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.